I'm back with another podcast. I said I had a few ideas at the end of the last one, and it's true. Um, I wanted to change things up a little bit. So uh, I think I've, for the last bit, I've been doing just a lot of commentary on the team and how things have been going, how things are projected to go. So uh, today I'm going to change things up a little bit and do some rankings of the players on the team. Now, I admit this is not entirely my idea. I was watching a YouTube video a little while ago, and uh, they did a similar thing uh, on there. Not for hockey, but it was for other similar YouTubers. But I figured I'd, I'd sort of port that idea over to the Flames team. So here's how this is going to work. So instead of ranking each player sort of based on their, their skill, I guess, out of a percentage or whatever, I've created... Uh, five basic categories that I'm going to try and slot all the players on the team or even uh, a few high-level prospects uh, into these categories and sort of see where they all land. Um, this is all just my personal opinion. It's based on no facts at all, at really. Um, just basically gut feeling, and that's about it. So the five categories, starting from the top, are God level. Um, the next one is a key piece to the team. The next one is a role player on the team. Uh, the next one is not but. And the last one and lowest is but. Now, naturally, I think that most players are probably going to fall somewhere in the middle uh, on this. It's uh, very rare that you come across a god-level type player. So I have a list of players here in front of me, um, and I'm going to be doing this basically in real time. And I'm going to be picking more or less players at random and slotting them into the various categories as we go. And... Uh, no preparation, none of that. So we'll see what happens. Okay, starting at random. Uh, let's start with Elias Lindholm. So Elias Lindholm is a guy, obviously, who came in last year and put up the best numbers of his career. And he struck up an amazing chemistry with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. Um, he kills penalties. He's very excellent defensively. Um, he's on the power play, too. And... Uh, I don't think he's the kind of guy you could probably slot in at God level, so uh, I'm going to put him in as a key piece for the Flames, because he truly is. Um, without him, I don't think you see the Flames having the same kind of success um, that they've been having. So Elias Lindholm is a key piece for the Flames. Next up is Noah Hannafin, um, another guy who came in actually the same time as Elias Lindholm last year and quickly uh, solidified himself as an excellent player on the Flames team alongside Travis Hamannick. And this is kind of a difficult one to, to slide in there because he's not quite taken off yet. He's been solid, but that's about it. I feel like this year could be the transformative year for him. And as such, I'm going to put him as a role player because right now he's a second-line defenseman, uh, more or less been that steady kind of presence, but I, th I know they want him to be more, um, more involved offensively. So this year, he's going to be slotted in as a role player, but I think he could upgrade himself to being a key piece throughout the course of the season. Sam Bennett's an interesting one as well, and this is kind of a hard one for me to to rank appropriately because I quite like him as a player and for no other reason the fact that I just like him I don't think at this point he's had particularly large amounts of success and I think he is still trying to find himself as a player and last year was supposed to be a transformative year for him but this year should be one too I actually don't know where he's going anymore with his career but he's the kind of guy from his pedigree and from his skill set that he has and the drive motivation that he has, you just get the feeling that he could pop off at any moment. 
he is technically a role player for the Flames, but he's not consistent enough for me to actually slide him in that in that spot. So he's going to have to be not but. <laughs> he's he's not a terrible player, but he's also not a, a particularly good player either. So Sam Bennett is not but for the Flames. All right, next out of random order is Mark Jankowski. And uh, Mark Jankowski is a guy who did play a decent role-playing uh, position last year with the Flames. And rumor has it he specifically asked to be put to be given more responsibility, so he was put on the power play, and, or sorry, not on the power play, God, that'd be awful. Um, he was put on the penalty kill, and he happened to excel quite a bit on the penalty kill last year. He scored a number of goals um, shorthanded, and he was able to really put in some work there. However, the start of the season has been less than stellar for him. I know it's only been a couple of games, but he has not looked particularly confident, and even though he was good at killing penalties last year, during 5-on-5 five five play, he was not that... Um, obvious on the ice. He didn't really stand out for the right reasons. Um, I'm kind of debating between listing him as but and not but. I think just because he can kill penalties with relative efficiency, I'm going to put him in the not but category, but he's dangerously close to sliding into the but category to the point where I think he might actually get traded at some point this year. Don't know that for sure, just a gut feeling. Um, I guess we'll see what happens in the future, but Mark Jankowski will be not but for right now. Okay, moving on, we have Milan Lucic. Now, Milan Lucic was definitely butt for the Edmonton Oilers, and he's kind of been butt for the Flames this year, too. I don't really have much else to say about that. Until he can actually prove himself better, Milan Lucic is stapled to the butt category. And I think we'll probably pick up with the first goaltender of the, uh, the session here. And I did list... Of the available goaltenders that we could go through, I did list two of their prospects, uh, John Gillies and Tyler Parsons. So I'm going to start with John Gillies. And John Gillies is going to be very firmly, squarely placed in the butt category uh, for no reason other than the fact that he can't make the big team yet. He is more or less a contemporary of David Riddick, even though he is a couple years younger, that's true. But they played together in Stockton for two seasons, and Riddick obviously is the Flames' starting goaltender now, and Gillies is still playing in the minors. After a lot of hype, um, a lot of expectation for him, he hasn't been able to quite match that, um, which is unfortunate because he's a guy with so much potential. He's a big goaltender. He seems to be rather athletic, and he's had a couple of chances with the Flames, but he hasn't quite been able to, ma uh, to put it together yet. So um, until he can actually show that he's worth hanging on to, he's going to be in the butt category. Now, TJ Brody, my favorite defenseman. Not really. Um... Brody used to be a key piece to the Flames. But I think as the season went on last year, people started to realize, most importantly, the team started to realize that he couldn't quite be relied upon to be that key piece anymore. And he, was, he played a lot of time with Mark Giordano, and obviously Mark Giordano does make those around him better. And it's not to say that, that TJ Brody's a bad player, because I don't think that's the case at all. I just don't think that he quite has what he used to have. And I don't know if it's something that fell off mentally or, or what it is. I think the skill is still there, but I think there's a lot of times he just tries to do too much and he ends up making just really poor decisions. And it, as a result, especially as a defenseman, you're directly responsible for goals against in that case. He, therefore, becomes a role player for the Flames. He's a guy who is going to probably be playing a lot of third-pairing minutes this year. He's still reliable under sheltered conditions. That's where he'll be. And 
if the team needs a shakeup, he'll be probably pushed up to play with Mark Giordano again on the first pairing. I think he'll still see power play time every now and then because he is a smart offensive player. Uh, but after that, he's nothing but a role player. Staying on defense, next one up is Michael Stone. And Michael Stone's another guy who I, I quite like. Um, I'm, I'm happy that he's on the Flames or has been on the Flames. And them bringing him onto the team a couple of years ago was an excellent depth move for them as a guy who could basically play anywhere up and down the lineup, given his pedigree playing in Phoenix slash Arizona before. However, since coming to the Flames, he hasn't quite lived up to that uh, reputation that he had as being, you know, hard shot, power play, defenseman, that kind of guy. He's a guy who gets hemmed into his zone constantly, gives up the puck constantly, um, does not fare well against the other team's lesser players. He's really taken a step back, and I feel bad for the guy because he's been having such such harsh health problems, and it w would be nice to see him have success again. He'll be given some chances this year, but probably not that long of a leash. I... Because of his health problems, I don't want to list him as butt. I think I'm going to put him as not butt, but very much on the line between butt and not butt. I want to talk about Oliver Shillington at this point. Sometime, or a little bit because his name is right next to Stones on my list. Um, but also because I think he's an in intriguing player on this, this whole exercise. Maybe one of the more intriguing players in this whole exercise that we're going to do. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to list Oliver Shillington as a role player for the Flames. Now, that may seem a little bit high, given that he could easily be in the not-but category because Bennett, Jankowski, and Stone are there already. Um, but Oliver Shillington does play a role for this team. We have to remember that we're lacking a little bit of depth on defense this year, especially with Yusuf Valimaki being injured. Um, Valimaki, of course, would slide into the role player uh, role as well for now, since he, this would have been his second year if not for his horrible injury. Um, but Oliver Shillington fills that role of third-pairing defenseman. And yes, he's young. Yes, he still makes a ton of mistakes. But given their options for that third-pairing right-hand defender or left-hand defenseman, Oliver Shillington fills that role just perfectly. He's a guy who you can give limited minutes to, probably won't complain that much. He's happy for the opportunity. And he'll do a good job being there. And quite honestly, he's less of a liability than having Michael Stone in that spot anyway. So Oliver Shillington is a role player for the Flames. Okay, let's hit up some forwards again. Um, Sean Monaghan, uh, obviously the Flames' number one center. Obviously, he says obviously all the time in every single interview that he does, and it's really painful to watch him get interviewed on TV because he's a really boring person. It's funny, like the, when he first was on the Flames as a rookie, they had that boring Sean Monaghan Twitter handle. I wonder if it's still active. I haven't even checked it in a while. But the dude actually is kind of boring. Uh, he's kind of taken that, that media training to a whole new level. Anyways, as a player for the Flames... He can't be anything other than a key piece, for real. This guy scores goals like mad, um, and he seems to be very underrated at doing that compared to other players in the NHL. And you can kind of see why. He's not particularly flashy. He's not particularly fast, but he's incredibly smart. Incredibly smart to the point like you don't really notice him, but he's noticeable at the same time. It's the most bizarre thing. I quite like him as a player. I know others don't, mostly because he doesn't really have that flash. And he doesn't have some of those other tangibles that you would think a, a first-line center would have. That being said, that means he has a lot to work on, too, especially what happened last year and in, into the playoffs. Being the kind of player that Sean Monaghan is and the role that he's expected to have, he can't disappear the way he commonly does. Um, I mean, he'll put up his 80 points in the year, which is amazing. He'll get his 30, 35 goals, which is amazing. And you honestly can't replace that just overnight so 
that's why he's a, a key piece for the Flames. But if he's going to get any better and potentially make it to God level, he's the kind of guy who has to assert his dominance on a game. He needs to be able to turn things around on his own and sort of be that aggressive, powerful center that the Flames and most teams desperately need. Because he has all the other pieces. It's just that one thing, that one intangible that he doesn't quite have yet. But he will. I really have faith that he will. He's still young. Another centerman that we're going to talk about here is Derek Ryan. And he's bridging on key piece and role player for the Flames. He's by far their best face-off man. Like, by far. He's a very calming presence, calming veteran presence. He works hard. He, you know, he, he basically gives you everything that you expect of him and then a little bit more, too. I really like Derek Ryan as a player. He's another kind of quietly successful player, just like Sean Monaghan is, just a little bit undersized, but the, the Flames have reaped every benefit of having him on the team. So as a result, I think I'm going to put him as a key piece for the Flames. It's not often that you find a guy as steady as Derek Ryan to play on the third line center role. This is a team that wants to be able to roll four lines. And so if you're going to be doing that, you need to have reliable players in every single line. And Derek Ryan very much fits that bill. So he is a key piece for the Flames. One of the new additions for the Flames this year was Tobias Reeder, who came in on a PTO uh, and made the team. And all credit to him to, uh, to actually do that. But he is a, a sort of a... Uh, on the fence player for the Flames. You don't know if he's going to be in the lineup from on a nightly basis. Um, although I think he will be given the chance to earn that right if he wants it. We'll see if he gets some penalty killing time because he's a pretty fast guy. Um, Reader obviously was called out like crazy by <laughs> by uh, Bob Nicholson last year when he was with the Oilers. Again, more shitty ex-Oilers playing for the Flames. But basically Nicholson threw him under the bus and said they didn't make the playoffs because Tobias Reader didn't score any goals, which is completely unfair. In any case, he's brought himself into somewhat of a role-playing role for the Flames. However, I'm ranking him as not but because he hasn't actually proved anything for the Flames just yet. Um, he's not in the roster on a nightly basis, and we don't really notice him very much at all ever. So Tobias Reeder is a not but player. Now, if we want to continue on the theme of on-the-bubble players, just like Tobias Reeder, Austin Zarnick is the next one that comes to mind. He's a guy that I kind of feel bad about because he has obvious skill, but he just has not been able to crack the roster for any stretch of time or any consistent stretch of time. It's funny because he does seem to have some success and then as soon as he doesn't have success, he gets yanked out of the lineup. I really wonder if there's something more going on there than meets the eye because his production seems to fit the bill, but I don't know what else is holding him back from being a regular on this team. His production has been just okay for what he's been doing, but I'm, I'm going to have to rank Austin Zarnick as being a butt player for the Flames just because he cannot stick on the active roster for whatever freaking reason. And I don't think it's a matter of the coach not liking him. There must be some level of effort that he's not giving with the opportunity he's been, he's been handed um, to be there. And this may be an unfair ranking for him, but he's going to be a butt player. I'm also going to talk about Dylan Dubé a little bit, even though he's not on the team right now. Um, he is a very promising prospect for the Flames, and I think you will see him on the team at some point this year, um, at least for a cup of tea. But he's uh, he will be on this team full-time eventually. Not this year. Probably next year. Once guys' contracts start to run out and they, they need to move some money around, I think you'll see Dubé get his chance. I really like him as a player. He does need to put on a little bit of muscle. Um, I hope to see him a few times this year. He, when he plays for the Flames, will be a role player. But right now, since he's not on the team, he's going to be in the not-but category. 
Now to the goalies. Um, I'm going to talk about Talbot and Riddick at the same time because they are basically 1A and 1B goaltenders for the Flames this year. And for the first few games, we've seen all Riddick, and we haven't seen any of Talbot. We did see Talbot in the preseason a little bit, in which point he looked pretty good. He did let in a bunch of goals in a couple of games, but it, not all of them were really his fault. Um, some of them were pretty bad luck. Riddick, on the other hand, has been incredible this year for the Flames. And... Uh, is a big reason why they've had a little bit of, of early season success. And he's looked solid. He's looked poised. Um, he's everything that you want out of a veteran goaltender. And he's everything that you would want out of a starting goaltender as well. I do want to see Talbot play uh, a few games before I can truly judge where he sits. Um, he right now is going to be sitting in a role playing role, uh, being the one, a goal or one B goaltender. He could take over the solid 1-1A role for the Flames if Riddick happens to falter and he happens to play well. But Talbot will be a role player. Riddick, on the other hand, I'm going to list him as a key piece. They don't have success last year, and they're not going to have success this year without Riddick playing extremely well. He doesn't have to be a world beater, and he doesn't have to be the, the next Mika Kiprasov. He just has to be solid, and he has to be ready to go when it's game time, and so far he has been that. He's never, he hasn't been anything but great for the Flames, so he's listed as a key piece. To close out the goalies, we might as well. There's only one left on my list, and that's Tyler Parsons. Um, he's a guy, obviously, just like Dylan Dubé, who's an extremely good prospect for the Flames and is currently applying his trade in the minors um, to get his experience up and um, fill out a little bit, that kind of stuff. Obviously, there's a bit of a logjam in the uh, Flames organization as far as goaltending is concerned, but Tyler Parsons is a guy who will get a fair crack at making this lineup in the near future. Not this season, obviously. Maybe next season. Most likely the season after that. Um, I think he enjoyed some, some decent success in the minors in the past few years, and hopefully he can continue that trend. Uh, right now, obviously, he'd be sitting in the not-but category. He's a good goaltender with a lot of promise, but he hasn't really proved anything more than that for the Flames. So, Tyler Parsons, not-but. Now, this is the one guy I've been looking forward to talking about the whole time here, um, and that's Mark Giordano. And... There isn't much to say about him other than he's truly exceptional. Uh, this is a guy who was unheralded coming into every level of hockey he's ever played. He was never drafted into the NHL. Um, Flames signed him as a free agent. He made the team. He played one year here, and then he went to Russia to prove himself, to get his experience up when it was likely he was going to be bouncing between the AHL and the NHL. That's a huge risk for a guy to take, especially someone so young and especially someone playing defense. And it worked for him, obviously. He came back to the Flames, and he hasn't looked back since. He just won the Norris Trophy last year, and this year he'll probably be in the conversation again unless he gets horribly injured like a few years ago. But Mark Giordano is the God-level player for the Flames. He's their captain. He's their leader. Everything goes through him. I think he's a fantastic player, a fantastic person, and he apparently he's even living in Calgary full-time now. So, Mark Giordano, you are our first God-level player for the Flames in this iteration of the team. I should probably mention, too, that Giordano is 36 years old. I didn't really think about that when I was talking before, but he's doing all of this stuff, and he, <laughs> and he won the, the Norris Trophy at 35, and he doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. Absolutely incredible. The next person I want to talk about is Michael Backlund, and right off the bat, he's a key piece for the Flames. And he also generated some controversy amongst the, the Flames faithful because... He, again, he's not that flashy of a player. And to me, he always... I feel like he suffered from the fact that he seems like he should have been better than what he ended up being. And I don't know where that assumption came from. He was a high-level prospect for the Flames back in the, the Aginla-Kiprasov years. 
and everyone always expected huge things from him. Really similar to what's happening with Sam Bennett at the moment, that they're expecting really huge things from them and they're not quite living up to it. However, I would argue that Michael Backlund has more than lived up to his billing as a second-line center. I don't think he's a first-line center, let's get that clear, but as a second-line center, he fits that perfectly. He is a very defensive-minded guy, and he excels at flipping the ice. And when I say that, I mean he is very good at starting the defensive end and moving the puck into the offensive end um, and either creating chances or securing that offensive end for line one to come back out and start wreaking havoc. There's very few guys in the league who are as good at that as Michael Backlund, and he does it with very quiet efficiency. On top of that, he usually ends up with 50 to 60 points, which is fairly decent for secondary scoring. And while you not, may not notice him every night, um, he definitely has an effect on that team, and you really can't ignore the fact that he is a key piece for the Flames. Now, the two other members of the 3M line, uh, well, the old 3M line, which may come back in its, its old iteration as well, are Matthew Kachuk and Michael Froelich. I'm going to start with Michael Froelich because he has taken a step back a little bit, especially under Bill Peters, and it seems like there's been some um, crustiness between those two for whatever reason, and it's not really on me to discuss what exactly happened because I have no idea what happened. But the fact of the matter is, Michael Froelich went from a second-line role to basically a fourth-line role, and... It's true this production has kind of slipped a little bit, although he did fairly well by the end of last season. Uh, Microfolik is nothing more than a role player at this point for the Flames. I think he still holds a role for the Flames, but due to his salary and due to his role, he's a guy who probably won't be back after this season and maybe traded at the trade deadline uh, for whatever. But, I mean, I can only hope that he does pick his game up. It, it benefits the Flames, obviously, very much when he's playing well. He's a very good defensive player. Um, and he can pitch in offensively here and there as well, but he's no more than a role player at this point in his career. On the other hand, there's Matthew Kachuk, who just signed himself a handy new deal with the Flames and is probably due to make a lot more money uh, when his contract comes up next time. Matthew Kachuk is right now a key piece, but you can see him moving up to God level for the Flames in in pretty short order. This this guy does everything. He is a natural leader. He scores goals. He makes assists. He hits. He agitates. He's everything that the Flames wanted in a player for years and years and years and years. They wanted somebody just like him, and they finally have him, and it, it is great to see what he's doing. It's interesting that he's on the second line, and I think that's where he belongs, just the way the Flames are structured right now, but he could easily be a top-line player for this team as well. But the way they are structured, I don't think it really matters whether he's, he's first line or second line. He fits in well wherever he goes. So Matthew Kachuk right now is a key piece with the pension to upgrade by the end of the season. And since there's only two defensemen left, we'll finish off with those two. Um, that's Travis Hamanick and Rasmus Anderson. Travis Hamanick has been paired up with Noah Hannafin, as I mentioned earlier, and those two have quickly become a very solid pairing for the Flames. And I think they're the perfect second line pairing for them. And they're probably two of the better or one of the better pairings in the league, obviously, for what they do. They're really good at suppressing chances. They're really good at flipping the ice, just like Michael Backlund is on, on offense. But they're very reliable, um, and Hamannick is a big reason for that. He is a stay-at-home defenseman in every sense of the imagination, and he is excellent at sticking up for his teammates. He's a guy who's not afraid to to toss the gloves and start fighting with somebody in defense of his teammates. He did that for Dylan Dubé last year. He got his face smashed in. He did that this year for, for Mark Giordano already when he was being uh, tossed about by, by Tyler Myers against the, the Vancouver Canucks. Travis Hamannick is the heart and soul that every Flames fan seemed to adore. Um, and he's a key piece for, the, for this team. There's no doubt about it. Similarly to Rasmus Anderson, he's turned himself from just a not-but role player into a key piece for the Flames. His contributions have become um, 
really vital to the Flames' success, and it's really nice to see that as a young player. It's funny that he and Oliver Shillington came up together, but Anderson is the one who's really taken leaps and bounds for the Flames, and he is also very much a key piece. You see that now with him playing on the top line with Mark Giordano, and they gel so easily, and it's, it's awesome. And offensively, hopefully he can put in a little more this year than he has last year too. So excited to see him play more this year. Okay, there's only two more to go. This actually took a lot longer than I expected to. There's a lot of guys on this list, and I tend to talk a lot about things. I'll finish with Johnny Goudreau, but I got the one before him is Andrew Mangiapane. I spoke in my last podcast about how much I liked him and how much better he's been getting um, time after time and game after game. He's a guy who, who started in, in Stockton last year and worked his way onto the team through injuries and just general need. And I think he does fit a, a, a very specific role for the Flames right now. And that's kind of like a, an energy skill. The, every, you know, the things that they want Michael or that they want Sam Bennett to be uh, but hasn't quite been able to produce, Andrew Mangiapane has done that. He's a very smart player and very responsible as well. I quite like how he plays. And I think that with enough experience, he could really turn himself to, into a fantastic playmaker who's one of those like quietly productive kinds of guys. And you can see they've slotted him on the, the second line now with Matthew Kachuk and Michael Backlund. And I'm excited to see what he can do there. I don't think he'll be a mainstay there. I think they'll move him around a little bit. But right now, Andrew Mangiapane is a role player for the Flames and can only get better from here, I hope. And we'll finish off with Johnny Gaudreau, who arguably is the Flames' best player. And, you know, it's, it's funny to think about him because he does have his detractions that everybody always loves to, to point out, how small he is, how easy, easy he is to push over. I will mention, though, it doesn't seem like he's been being pushed around as much this year as he was in previous years, which is a good sign, of course. And with his maturity, he only seems to be getting better. He was among the league, lead, league leaders for points last year. I think he finished with 99. And there's no reason why he couldn't do the same thing again. The guy's just electric. And I don't think the Flames have ever seen a player quite like him before. And I don't know if they ever will again. I love what, the kind of player that he is. The only outstanding question for him is what can he do when the playoffs come around? What can he do when the game stakes are at their highest and the pace is at you know, its ultimate level? And I think that still remains to be seen. Granted, he hasn't had that many opportunities to impress under those circumstances. He's only really been in the playoffs twice, maybe three times. And it's still coming. And hopefully this is the year that he can really assert his dominance in a way where he can survive in that physical atmosphere that the playoffs breed. We know what he's going to deliver in the regular season, and I don't think that's going to be in question. It's, it's all the extras that we need to know. However, given his production, given what he's meant to the Flames for the last five or six seasons. I'm going to put Johnny Gaudreau in the God level category. He kind of bridges between key piece and God level, but given what he does and how excellent he is at doing it, there's no other place that he belongs but there. So there you have it. The Flames roster is sorted into five different categories. And, you know, looking at these different categories, it's not hard to see why the Flames have the success that they have both last season and hopefully this season as well. The vast majority of their players are actually centered around the key piece category, which is the second highest on there. Obviously a couple of God level players and a whole bunch of role players as well. But the fact that the majority of the players fall into key piece is a good sign for the flames. And it makes me really want to do this exercise for a, another team in the league that we know to be on the lesser quality level as the Flames, just to see where their players would fall in these same five categories. So if you took a Arizona or a Florida, for example, 
um, and see how they stack up against the Flames. I'd be really interested to see how that goes. I would assume that their players are probably slot in a similar concentration, but maybe a, a level lower, but it'd be kind of cool to see. Anyway, uh, thanks as always for listening. I would say I welcome your feedback, but there's really no way for you to give me that. And I mean, after all, this is really just my opinion anyway, and you're just listening to it. So I'm glad that you, you listened in to my various opinions on how the Flames players rank. Not that it matters anything at all, but uh, continue watching the games. Go Flames, go. And uh, we'll see you next time. 